Take your Bibles with me to Psalm 14. We'll be in Psalm 14 and 15 tonight. The title of the message tonight is The Foolishness of the Godless and the Character of the Righteous. We're going to look through these Psalms, of Psalm 14 and Psalm 15, and, and it's a contrasting, of course, uh, comparison here. Um, Psalm 14 deals with the foolish. We're going to see this morning, or this evening, excuse me. And then Psalm 15 deals uh, with the character of the righteous. And there's a clear distinction between those who fear God and those who do not. And it should still be the case. You know, we are, like that song says, don't you desire to be holy, set apart for you? O Lord, ready to do your will. You know, that's, that's, there lies a lot of our issues. You know, Christians, we've, we've kind of put off holiness. You know, I talk to, you know, Christian men often and, and, um, you know, the struggles, the, the, the pitfalls that the enemy puts in front of them and, and, um, eventually entraps them with, you know, it's, it could be easily avoided lots of times if we have the desire to be set apart for God, to be holy. Um, and holiness, of course, is, is there's two types of holiness. There's practical holiness and there's imputed holiness. Uh, I'm, I taught the men um, last night in the men's study from Romans 3 that uh, we have been made righteous. We've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage somebody with that tonight. When God looks at you tonight, he didn't see your sin, your past, your baggage, uh, your struggles. What he sees is the blood that has been uh, put to your account and you are justified. It's just as if you never sinned before God. Can I get an amen tonight about that? Anybody excited about that? I am. But there's another type of holiness. There's, there's practical holiness. Walking it out. Living in the light. And that's called uh, sanctification. And of course, the Holy Spirit is in our lives and indwells us permanently to help us along that journey. But we also have a responsibility. So we're going to look tonight uh, to these Psalms. And we're going to begin in Psalm 14. I believe it will be up on the screen. I want you to read along with me, beginning in verse number 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good, no, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call on the name of the Lord? They, there are, excuse me, there they are in great fear. For God is with the generation of the righteous. You shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. This is, of course, the Psalm of David. And some believe that it was prophetic in the sense that, of course, there would be later on in the history of Israel where 
God would use Gentile nations like uh, King Nebuchadnezzar with Babylon to come in and take his people into captivity. And we know that was a result uh, of sin and rebellion within God's people. And it happened a few times in the history, of course, of Israel. But also we know that David in this season of his life is on the run from an unrighteous leader by the name of Saul. And he headed out for him. And, of course, this was very difficult. And there were those who followed Saul in his wickedness and in his ungodly leadership of the nation. And, and of course, that would have caused there to be uh, uh, discord amongst God's people. There would have been sin running rampant within the nation at that time with no strong, righteous leadership. And, and so David is writing this psalm and he is lamenting on the, the, the wicked and what uh, the foolishness of the wicked people of his day. And, and how many of you would say this? Often today we too grieve at the foolishness and the wickedness and the depravity of the time that we live in. It should grieve us. What we see playing out. I read another article today about just recently another major corporation was caught in a, in a human trafficking ring. You know, I remember, you know, during, you know, COVID and during the lockdowns and it was exposed that Wayfair, you know, on Wayfair you could purchase and buy, uh, people. Yeah. They would label these things, and it may seem like, you know, outrageous, but they were labeling uh, dressers uh, certain names, and it w- they were like fourteen and $15,000, and then you could use the same name to, to uh, match it against the missing uh, persons list, and often the name would be there hidden within that listing on Wayfair. I'm not kidding you. Do some research. And I'm telling you, there's so much... By the way of wickedness in our day, and of course, David, it was no different in that time. And he's going to call out the foolishness of the folly. He's going to uh, speak to this in this psalm. And I want us to, first of all tonight, I want us to see the heart of the foolish. The heart of the foolish. Look, the Bible says the fool has said in his heart. Now the word there that's uh, that's translated fool is a Hebrew word by the name of Nabal. And I, I studied this out, and it had a deeper meaning than just that of a common fool. It, it went further than that. It meant that this person that uh, that is being described by this name was a perverse person, a vile person, a contemptible person, a person that uh, was uh, a bad character all the way around. You wouldn't want to be associated with this person. And, and so this would have been the strongest language that you could put on someone. The worst thing that you can call somebody in, in this time was that of a fool. But this was to the fullest extent that David is saying about these people who in their heart had rejected the true and living God. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. I want you to notice about the foolish heart. It has contempt for God. It hates God. Have you ever been around someone who has a hatred towards God? i never forget my senior year at A.V. High School. I had a teacher by the name of Mr. Brown, and he was a, a civics teacher. And I remember I struggled in his class mightily. And uh, he was very open with his his 
lack of faith or he was an atheist and he would get mad if ever we would talk about God or bring up God in the class. I mean, it would be visibly uh, uh, very clear that he would be enraged if someone talked about God in his class. And he shut down the conversation so quickly. And I just remember just that was one of the first times in my life where I uh, was around someone who, uh, for whatever reason, had a hatred towards God. I remember hearing about him contracting cancer shortly after I had graduated by the grace of God, I passed this class, I think, with a D. <laughs> and uh, I was able to graduate. But I remember when he he got cancer, and, and I just always wondered, did he ever turn his heart? Did he ever, was he open before he took his last breath, this side of eternity, to, to receive Jesus? And I just will never forget him and his contempt for God. Now, these individuals that David was speaking about in his day, they may have never came out to utter the words that they don't believe there is a God. They, they may have not uh, been vocal with their, their contempt for God, but of course we're going to see in just a moment that their actions spoke louder than their words. And I want you to understand this, the heart, when the Bible is talking about the heart, it's talking about uh, the seat of our emotion, the deepest part of us. It's not just talking about, of course, the organ that is pumping blood in our body. It's the heart is the, the innermost, deepest part of you. And the Bible talks much about the heart. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, uh, Proverbs, 24, Proverbs 6, 14, excuse me, says, perversity is in the heart. Uh, it's in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. And, and don't you, uh, see that today in, in our world? There seems to be, uh, that spirit of anti-Christ rising up in this nation and people who hate God and, and it seems like they don't rest unless they're trying to devise evil, unless they're trying to, uh, promote Things that, of course, is against the truth of the word of God, and and they sow discord among uh, God's people, and of course, in their nation. And this is what we are hearing about here. David is describing these people who have rejected God, who have put God out of their minds willfully. You see, individuals who have absolutely rejected the fear of God will, no doubt be given over to their own lust, to their own perverseness. They will no doubt be overtaken by their own whims, and it's going to lead to deeper, darker, more depraved sin. I want you to see David goes on and he describes this. He says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. And, and, of course, we know this is quoted in Romans 3. And, you know, the truth is, and we learned this, of course, on Sunday, that we are all sinners before God. We are all broken before God. There is none of us in here tonight who does not have the sin depravity problem. <laughs> but aren't you thankful that in Christ we receive his nature as well. Now, there's going to be that battle in the heart of a Christian for the rest of their earthly lives, you know? And I've learned this. Whichever nature you feed, more will have control. Whether it is the Spirit. You know, we talk about being filled with the Spirit here a lot because apart from being full with the Spirit, 
uh, we will be ruled by the flesh and the works of the flesh will be in our lives. You know, I was saddened this week as I uh, learned of uh, a friend of mine from seminary who is, has walked away from the faith completely. He's claiming to be an atheist. And, and I just, you know, I, I wondered, like, what took place and, and, and how do you go from wanting to serve God with your life to the other end of the spectrum, completely walking away from your faith, questioning the, the validity of Scripture. And, you know, he's on this podcast and he's just laying it all out, how he uh, has a new uh, mindset and a new philosophy of life. And it just, it just really hurt my heart. And I've learned this, that a lot of times, you know, we see in, our, in the church, I'm going I'm to say this, there's a lot of people who profess to know God who truly have not been converted. And that may be the case with him, but I don't know his heart. But I'm telling you to come to the point where you are walking away. And the Bible did say that we're going to see a great falling away, right? And we see it. It seems like every other week or every other month we're hearing of a, a Christian, uh, you know, worship leader walking away from the faith. You know, pastors turning away from the faith. And we hear about it. It seems like it's more prevalent in our time than it has in in years past, and and uh, we got to be careful in our walk with God. You know, it's a slippery slope when we start to backslide or, or, or be continually uh, not seeking after God, and and who knows where that will lead. But I want you to understand these people that David is describing tonight—they were corrupt in their works. They 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 always had wicked, perverse things on their mind. The Bible is clear that they. Uh, were always uh, involved with abominable things. Then he goes on and he says in verse number two, the Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men. And I want you to just, I want us always to be aware. Uh, I, I, I don't know if we practice this, this enough. The awareness of God and, and how he sees the affairs of all men at all times. Practice the presence of God. That's not just that's for us, too. Men, you know, when you're alone and you're tempted to do stuff you shouldn't do, remember, you are not alone. And everything that's done in the dark will be brought to the light. Be sure your sin will find you out. We tell that to our kids, and it's so amazing how God will reveal. And we pray, God, we don't want our children to have strongholds in their lives, sinful patterns in their lives. So God, please expose if our children are getting involved in some type of secret sin. Uh, we don't want that to take root in their lives and to overcome them. And, and I, I want you to understand this, that God he sees, and the Bible is clear that God looks from heaven. Jehovah looks down from heaven upon the children of men. And it says that he uh, he's looking to see if there are any who understand Understand who seek God. And he said, they have all turned aside. They have all together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. David is lamenting because uh, in his day, the majority of people, even within God's people, were, were involved in wickedness. There was not many who, who sought after the Lord. And he goes on, verse 4, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, who eat up my people as bread? They are corrupt in their works. And God is aware of this corruption. And he is, of course, not turning his head from that. He is. I want us to understand, 
You know, as I mentioned, the abominable works that we see even in this nation, like human trafficking and abortion and all the other, uh, you know, the, the, the Hollywood. I was just thinking about how Hollywood has, over the last seemingly de- two decades, have just been waving their fists in the face of a righteous God and promoting certain lifestyles. It seems like you can't watch a show with your family anymore because every show has to have a homosexual person on the show and they always seem to get the most time. You know, they're very strategic in how they're trying to program our children. I saw the, the, the latest Disney movie, you know, I always talk about this, but the latest Disney movie that's coming out called Turning uh, I think Red and, the, and, the, and if you read about what is going to be uh, promoted in that film, oh, it will make your stomach turn and and I'm telling you it seems like we live in a day where it's just now it's not even that they're trying to be subtle with what they're trying to promote and the heart of these men and the devices of the wicked they are becoming more and more prevalent in our time and we've got to understand that and identify that and flee from it as believers David was careful to mark these these men he, he he knew that they had cast off all the fear of the Lord and reverence for God. So he understood that he needed to uh, be different from them. He he needed to uh, separate himself. Now I'm not preaching about, of course, us separating in a sense where we move to a you know some secluded place and we don't ever you know be a part of society. But we need to mark those who we know have uh have a hatred for God, who are mocking God, who are not aligned with the truth of God. And um, we need to call it for what it is. And uh we also need to be mindful that we aren't allowing these influences to infiltrate our homes, our children, our circles, even our worldview. Because uh, if we're not careful, before you know it, we are thinking like the world and we are walking like the world, talking like the world. And this is why David was pointing these things out. He was writing of this saying, those who do not fear the Lord, those who have put off the fear of God, they are corrupt. They have a contempt for God. And even though the world may applaud these people because of their success, and you know, isn't it true? It seems like those people who have uh, risen up in the ranks and they have wealth or fame and all these things. These are the people that are elevated in our society and it didn't matter how they got there. It didn't matter how many people they had to step upon, how much perversion they had to do to get uh, that wealth or fame and, and, and it doesn't matter and people applaud these people. That's why I don't really promote celebrities to my children. I don't point my kids to celebrities. I don't sit my kids in the front of movies and, and, and worship these people. I don't sit my kids in front of the altar of the world because I understand that, uh, what it is. It's, these are people who hate God, who are, 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 uh, very vocal with their disdain for what the, what values we're trying to instill into our kids. And, and, um, I, I want you guys to understand something tonight. Uh, if we don't, intentionally try to teach our children what's right according to scripture the world's going to program them i've had i've had people call tell me everything you know since we decided to homeschool our kids you know i've had everything been said to me and 
Oh, you're just trying to brainwash, you're just indoctrinating. Oh, they're going to miss out on this, this, and that. And I'm like, no. And I know there's people in here, and don't, don't get me wrong, there are, there are single moms in here. You have to put your kids in the public school. Let me tell you, I went through the public school, but you know what? My mother did before we went to sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, my mom, let me tell you, up until I was 17 in high school, you know what time my bedtime was? It was 8 o'clock. I was a six foot three varsity starting basketball player. My mom said, oh, it's eight o'clock, go to bed. And you know why? Because she was going to wake me up at 4.30 in the morning. And we were going to sit around that little table. I remember uh, there, we lived in on Gaston Avenue in, in some in an apartment, two-bedroom apartment. We didn't have much. I always slept on the couch. And uh, my sister shared a room. My mother had a room. And, and um, But we, we sat at that little table every morning before I went to school. And she put the Word of God in us. And I'm telling you, I tell parents this, because people come up to her and ask her, what, what was the secret? It's not a secret. It's really not. Those who honor God, God honors them. I'm not saying that, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not a fail-proof, and I don't want to put it on you too, because... Uh, I used to always sometimes worry about, oh, what if one of my kids don't turn out? I'm trying to put them uh, in a position to know you, Lord, and to serve you. But what if one of them walk away? Well, God, a few years ago, told me that, you know, it isn't uh, at a certain point you're responsible for them up until a certain age. And then they will make their choice. But I've always prayed over them and, and claimed the promise that if I train up my children in the way that they should go, that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And I'm claiming that Bible verse over every one of my kids. When I pray over them at night... You know, when I say you're a man of God, you're going to be a man, you're going to be a, a mighty man of God. You're going to be brave. You're not going to be fearful. You're going to be a woman of God. You're going to be a virtuous woman. And I, I, I say these things to them. The last thing that I say to them every night is something to do with what God, what I've prayed for them and, and their names are purposeful. And I'm just telling you, we want to, we don't want the results, but we don't want to do the work sometimes. And David, he, he knew, hey, I, I know these men are corrupt. I, I, he's pointing out their pattern. He had studied them. He said, you know what? These men are corrupt in their works. They're unrighteous. He goes on. He says that they, they were, of course, consuming the weak. I want you to see. He says, have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread? And do not call on the Lord. I've learned this. You know, when you put off the fear of the Lord, when you don't have a fear of God, and you, you're giving up to your own lust, and, and eventually you prey on those who are helpless. And you know, one of the sure signs of a nation who has forgotten God is what they do with the helpless. How they treat the babies in the wombs. How they treat the elderly in society. I was telling someone about this the other day. Like, I tell each one of my kids, there better be a room in my house, in one of your five houses, for mommy or daddy when we get old. Because I change your diaper, your time might come up too. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong to think that. 
But my Bible still says honor your father and your mother. Hey, that doesn't stop once you turn 18. And I told my wife when we got married, you know, one of our parents gets sick. We're going to rearrange our lives to help them. We're going to prioritize what God prioritizes. And maybe because I'm selfish, because the Bible says that if you do that, it will be well with you. (laughs) But the way that people who are far from God treat the weak, it's, it's indicative that they don't fear God. They don't believe that men are made in the image of God. They don't believe that God is an avenger of those who are helpless. And I want us to be a people, and I believe God desires for us to be a people, that we are there for those who, who have no one to stand up for them. I, I can't help but shake this verse. I often remind myself of this verse, James one twenty seven: pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You, did you hear that? Pure religion, undefiled religion, is to visit orphans and widows and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. David identified these people because he wanted he did not want to be contaminated by their ways. He he would not and we're seeing just a, uh, in chapter 15 that the righteous do not associate with people who would fall under this category of fools. And uh the Bible says can two walk in together except they be in agreement. And I want you to understand something this evening that we've got to be intentional about who uh we are uh we are close to. And so they consume the weak, and, and he says they eat them like bread, and they do not call on the Lord. And David is just identifying these people. And I want you to understand that God isn't, he isn't, like I mentioned before, God is in heaven. He's seeing these things, and he talks about this, how God is going to, of course, avenge. He's going to handle these people one day. Um, look at verse number five. There they are in great fear. You know what I've noticed? The Bible says this, that the wicked flee when no one pursues. You know, these people who seem to have it all together, who are, who are uh, putting God out of the equation. You know what I've noticed about a lot of these people? They live in fear. They're always looking over their shoulder thinking that they're going to be caught. Or, or something's going to be exposed, and it's, it's, it's a life that, you know, they have no peace. And God, purposefully, I believe, does not allow um, them to sleep well at night. The Bible says the righteous will have a sleep. You know, I know people who have millions of dollars, but they, they, they can't sleep without getting very drunk or with the aid of of medicine and and I'm telling you we've got to understand that even though it may have the appearance of success it really isn't when they have schemed and and plotted and done evil things to get to where they're at and it says in verse number five the rest of it for God is with the generation of the righteous God is with the generation of the righteous he's with us verse six you shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. And this is David lamenting. He's saying, oh, would 
God come. Salvation of Israel will come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. He, he said there is going to come a time when when the God of Jacob will come out and he'll come to Zion. And he's going to set the captives Free. I'm telling you guys, there's gonna come the day when the ladder is gonna be, it's gonna be turned upside down and it seems to be that God's people are the reproach of the world, that we are always, uh, on the short end of the stick, but I'm telling you there's coming a day when God's gonna make all things right. He's promised. This is what David is talking about. Right now he's on the run from the unrighteous Saul, and he's longing from the day where he will see the redemption of God. And David would see that day, and he would get to his rightful position, and he would establish a kingdom that brought glory to God. And, and David, of course, is a, he, he is, of course, the root and the, the branch. Of course, uh, Jesus comes from David's line, and, and David, uh, of course, was blessed by God to 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 rule in, in such a time that uh, in such a way that very few can understand how just the the fame of David and the power that he had and and um, of course we know that our King King Jesus is the one who's going to set up his literal kingdom right and we're going to be in that I truly believe that we are going to reign and rule with him. And though it may seem like we're losing, we're on the winning side tonight. But I want you to see the foolishness of the godness. They, they have in their own hearts, they have said there is no God. They have hatred and contempt for God. They are corrupt in their works. They consume the weak. But I want you to see tonight the character of the godly in chapter 15. I want you to read these verses with me. Just five quick verses tonight. It says, Lord... Who, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. I want you to see the character of the righteous. The righteous, they will dwell in the presence of the Lord. David asked the question, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? You know, David, he said it in, his, in Psalm 23. He said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David valued more than anything is the presence of God. And that's what the righteous will be defined as. Not by how much they have in the bank account. Not by how it looks on the portfolio. But that the presence of God was is on that person's life. In that person's life, oh, you know what it, it was said about David often? That the Lord was with him, and the Lord was with him. He behaved and he moved wisely.
wisely in his generation. And I don't know about you, but I want to have a character that God is pleased with so that he can and his power can rest on me. And people can look at me and say, oh, he, he may not have it all, but it's evident that God is with that man. And I want you to understand tonight, if you have that, you have everything. presence of God dwells on the righteous. Those who have a godly character, once you see those who are pleasing to the Lord, they walk uprightly. He says, verse number two, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness. Oh, first John one and five says this, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you. That God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice truth. I'm telling you, you, we cannot have the presence of God. We cannot be pleasing unto God if we in our lives are not walking uprightly. I'm telling you, this means our character matters. It means uh, our yes to be yes and our no should be no. It means that we should uh, be upstanding citizens. There shouldn't be in the church uh, uh, people who have reneged on business deals. There shouldn't be uh, people in the church who are not honest in their, their dealings with others who are not walking uprightly in all ways and I'm, I'm sad to say I hear of it often when, when a brother in Christ defrauds another brother in Christ and, and it's just it's uncanny to me how we say we fear God but we aren't walking in that and we deceive ourselves if we say that we are dwell in the light if we have fellowship with him but we are walking in darkness to be pleasing to the Lord in our character we must walk Uprightly, but I want you to see we should also speak the truth in our own hearts. This is in contrast to what we saw in chapter 14, how the wicked in their heart, in the deepest part of them, they said there is no God. They reject God. They don't have the fear of God. But I'm telling you, uh, the righteous, we should speak the truth in the innermost parts of us. And I want to encourage you. Um, it's just what we read in, of course, Psalm 1, I think some months back, when it says that the righteous, uh, we, we're going to, uh, let's turn there. I'm going to read this chapter just real quick. I want you to see this. The truth has to be in us. Blessed is the man, verse number 1, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What does that sound like? That's the inner man, right? That's the heart of a man. And night and day, he's meditating on the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, uh, the, the, the wisdom and the knowledge that comes from the Word of God. And the Bible says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season, and whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. What is the song of your heart? What is it that you meditate on? What is it that you are reciting to meditate on it? The picture there is, any of you guys grew up on a farm with cows? And, you know, cows, they have to chew and chew and chew and chew on something, right? Because they don't have the ability to digest like we 
wood, but they chew on it, they regurgitate, they chew it some more. And this is what we have to do. Number one, we have to be in the Word, and then we got to spend the day meditating on what God spoke to us about. So then we know what to do. Thy Word it shall be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David, of course, he was a man after God's own heart. And you know where that heart came from? He meditated on the Word of God. He, he loved the Word of God. Read Psalm 119. You know, if you want to get ahead of us, Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible is all about the Word of God. It talks about the precepts of God, the law of God, uh, and how it was uh, life. And, and wherewithal will a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereunto according to your Word, God. And I'm telling you, there needs to be a love for the Word of God. I was telling the men in, in the Bible study last night that what we hold in our laps this evening, oh, it is the precious word of God. It is. It has been preserved for us to this generation. And I'm telling you, many of you don't love it. You don't spend time in it. You avoid it. And, and it's because I think many want to just continue in their pattern of sin. They don't want to be convicted. But if you want to be pleasing to God in your character, in your life, you must speak the truth of the word of God in your heart. Not only that, we must honor God in our relationships with others. I want you to see verse number three. It says, He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. You know, God cares on how we treat people. And if we are going to dwell in his presence, if we're going to walk in the light, the way that we treat other people, it should line up with Scripture. We should not be backbiting, talking about others behind their back. We heard of a, a man who was doing just that to, to Pastor Shane and I, and, and he, hear, he gets that all the time. He's up front, and, and um, this man, uh, you know, I think is a false teacher, and he had came in and taken some families during COVID from this church. And, and he was telling them that uh, we refused to make things right with him when we tried to. And, and, and uh, he was using that uh, to try to keep those people in his group. But now none of those people are in the group because the truth has come out. And, and uh, his backbiting was not successful. And I'm telling you, we've got to, as God's people, we've got to uh, never be involved in, in talking about others hurt and, and, and smiling in people's faces and then talking about them behind their back. And gossip shouldn't be named among us. And I'm telling you, hey, people don't gossip to me because you know what I do now? I say, oh, oh what was that? All right, let's go, let's go talk to that person. Let's go, let's go, you know. And if people are comfortable gossiping to you, they're comfortable gossiping about you. I want you to understand that. And we should not have any, any part of that. And it says, nor does evil to his neighbor. You know, who's your neighbor? <laughs> you know, it's every, I think every human, every person you come in contact with, you should not be involved in evil towards them. I think that's very clear. 
God desires that we would love our neighbor as ourself. Remember when Jesus asked, what's the greatest commandments? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm telling you, Christians, that's what we need to get back to being about, loving people right where they're at. And God's going to bless that. And it says, to go on, he says, you ought to uh, never... Uh, nor does he take up reproach against his friend, and it doesn't. Uh, don't take a position uh, of reproach. Don't don't bring issues up uh, from your friend. Uh, Bible is very clear that we should love. If we have love in our heart, we can cover the multitude of sins. We can look the. We can show grace in situations. We should not bring up and always have to bring up every little offense that we may have. And I've I've learned this to be true that oftentimes when I respond the wrong way, when things happen to me, it's not with what the person has done. It's what's going on in my heart. I'm not right with God. And oftentimes, the things that we allow to ruffle our feathers uh, should never really ruffle our feathers. And this is what God is he's speaking to. This is what he's uh, saying, that we should not bring up a reproach against our friends. How do we treat people? You know, I talked about it Sunday. How do you treat people who harm you? How do you treat those around you? Uh, do you are you a conduit of God's grace? So our relationship with others should be important so that we exhibit godly character. And I want to see also, we ought to honor those who honor God. The upright, I want you to see verse number four, the second half of that. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He honors those who fear the Lord. And there are men that I don't see eye to eye with. Um... But I know that they love the Lord, so I'm very careful how I treat them. David, remember, he was in the cave with Saul, and he slipped off a piece of his garment with his sword. And David, I truly believe, could have taken Saul with one arm behind his back in a face-to-face battle. You remember what they said, what got Saul angry? Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. David had, he, he, could, he could go. And I'm thankful. I love, I love reading the Bible. I love, you know, just hearing the, the, the conquest of the mighty men of God and David and, and the battles that were wrought. I, I, I told you guys a while back, my favorite movie is Gladiator. You say, oh, that's bloody, Pastor. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just, I think we've gotten far away from masculinity in our culture. We are now raising, how can I say it, <laughs> snowflakes. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. But I, you know, I was raised by a woman, but don't test me. Because my mom, I remember the day. I remember one day she told me to be home. I was 14 years old. And, uh, I was just, I told her at 13 that I was a grown man already. <laughs> I didn't, I, I, my head was just so big and, and I remember I came home late and she, she was waiting for me. <laughs> and, uh, she had the belt. Some of y'all need to find that dust, get the dust off of it. And so she's, She's giving me what I deserve, what I had coming, and, and I got angry, and I turned, and, and I punched the wall. I'll never forget. 
And she said, oh, oh, you're big and bad now, huh? And she threw the belt down and she hit me. And I'm not advocating this. And, and this is past the limit of <laughs> my mom. <laughs> she remembered it. She hit me with one, pow, quick one, like right here. And I just, I just crumbled. I said, I'm sorry, man. I never tested her after that day. And I think she knew that if she lost control of me at that point, then she would never have control. And I would have run the house, and and she, my mom never abused us. She never did. Um, I was telling my wife, you know, I I'm so thankful, you know, for how I was raised, and and uh, she it was evident that my mom enjoyed being a mother, and she loved us, and and we were the apples of her eye, and and uh, sacrificed so much for us. Um, but I I am convinced today in our culture we aren't raising men. We're raising self-entitled, narcissistic um, boys, tall boys. And uh, that's to our detriment. You know, a man who is harmless is a man who is, to be honest, worthless. And you say, what are you saying, Pastor? No, I'm not saying you should raise your boys and and don't drive your children to to anger. Don't provoke your children. I'm never going to tell you that. But I'm telling you, you need to raise your children to be bold, to be brave. My mother didn't allow us to be afraid of anything. She didn't allow us to express uh, that we were afraid. The only two things that I feared growing up was her and Jesus. I'm going to be honest. She made us, she made us face our fears. And... Um, I'm just telling you this. I feel like the Lord just leave me to tell you guys, as those of you who are raising children, you're, you can't raise soft children in this generation coming up. They're going to have to stand on their own too. They're going to have to uh, have some strength about them, some fortitude. And that comes with uh, you uh, telling them and you putting the word of God in them. David was just a teenager when he went up against Goliath. And it wasn't because he had it all together. It's because he knew God and he didn't fear anybody else. So he was able to go against the giant and, and he saw victory and he was in battle. Don't be so quick to save your children from adversity. Don't be so quick to try to put them in this bubble. Some of you are going to run away from every uh, every obstacle in your kid's life. You're going to shield them. You're going to go talk to every teacher that they tell you are treating them the wrong way. And you know where you're going to raise a spineless person who's not going to be able to stand for Christ in a generation where we need to stand like never before. But I don't even know how we got on that rabbit trail. Somebody. And I need to be reminded. But David was, of course, pinning this, and he was saying that we should honor those who honor the Lord, that we should love the upright, that we should show grace. And there's, like I said, there's men of God I don't see eye to eye with, but I wouldn't, I would never speak a cross word about them. Because touch not God's anointed. And I hear, I see the emails that come, sometimes pastors share with, with us, you know, the hate mail, the, the death threats, the sites, uh, you know, Facebook pages that are, are just completely to, to mock and to make fun of him. And 
You know, I always think about that. Like, God is, <laughs> you don't want to mess with God or his anointed. I think about Elijah. You know, they were teasing him, him, those kids, because he had a bald head, kind of like our preacher, right? And uh, they were saying, bald head, bald head, and, and out of the woods, God sent bears and devoured those kids up. And honor is important. And I'm going to tell the teens aren't in here, but maybe some of you need to hear this. You need to tell your kids what I said earlier. You need to honor your father and mother so that it may be well with you. Hey, Dad, if you catch that hairy-legged boy rolling his eyes at Mama, you better set him straight as quick as you can because the eye that mocked his mother and father, the eagles will pluck it out. And we, we have gotten so soft in our generation because we don't, I don't think we know the Word of God. I don't think we see the strong warnings in the Word of God on, on things that we just allow to just go on in our homes. And I'm telling you, I understand it. I have a teenager. I understand it's, it's you You might have to be going over this over and over again, but I'm telling you, it is, it is a bad that is worth fighting. And David said, if we're going to honor God, we, ought to, we got to honor those who honor him. The upright. And I want you to see, then he talks about something else, and it's, it's about integrity. Let me get there. The Bible says, he who, uh, the end of verse 4 says, he who swears to his own hurt, and does not change. Look, if you make a promise, you keep that promise even if it hurts. You, you have integrity to the point that you will do what you said you will do. And do not change. Do not be wavering in your promises. And he goes on and he says, He who does not put his put out his money at usury. He goes into financial integrity. And what that is speaking about here is that we, as God's people, should not lend money and put interest on it to enrich ourselves. It seems like our whole financial system is anti-biblical. You know, the Bible says that he, uh, whoever's in debt is a slave to the lender. I want you to understand that this system, and I'm, I'm all for hard work, I'm all for capitalism, don't get me wrong, a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, but there's a lot of things in our system that has kept us enslaved. I want you to understand, some people are just enslaved to that mortgage, they're enslaved to those car notes, those credit card companies, they're enslaved, and God never really intended for us to be enslaved to anything or anyone. And I don't know who I'm saying that to tonight. I'm not telling you not to own a home. I'm not telling you don't don't write me a letter. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I get it, but I'm saying to you that part of having a godly character that honors God is how we operate in our finances. And He's saying that those in this time, you know, it was common for the unrighteous to to prey upon uh, the those who were poor. And lend them money, but add interest to it uh, to to enrich themselves. And God says we should not do that. We should not do that, and we should not be able to be bought or bribed. Look what He says. He says, nor does He take a bribe against the innocent. Nor does He take a bribe. You know what? We're not for sale. I, I love the Old Testament. And I love um, the story of Naboth, who, of course, we know 
Jezebel and, and wicked king Ahab wanted his vineyard. But you know, it was part of the law that you are not to sell your, your family's inheritance. And he feared God more than he feared the wicked king. And um, that's the problem today. A lot of us, we are able to be bribed and bought. Some men won't take their family to church because they're going to work overtime on Sunday. They've been bought. And um, but Naboth said, I, no, it's not for sale. I don't care how much money you offer me. I don't care what you try to do. It's not for sale. And we know what Ahab did. He went home and he pouted. And, and Jezebel said, are you not the king of <laughs> the land? And, you know, the rest of the story is that they they falsely accused Naboth and, and had him killed and took the land. And, and um, God sent, of course, the man of God to declare judgment on them. And uh, we know the rest of the story. They would die. The dogs would lick the blood of Jezebel. And, um, but I want us to, I want us to determine, I want to just, I'm going to end with this. You know, we should not be for sale as Christians. We should not compromise anything that God has made clear in our lives to do for money or for anything else, for that matter. And what does the Bible promise? He says, he who does these things shall never be moved. He'll never be moved. If you honor God, you walk uprightly, if you speak the truth in your own heart, if you honor people who honor God, if you are righteous in your relationship, if you despise the wicked, I, I think I skipped over that one, but I, I want you to just see that really quickly in, in verse number four, the beginning. It says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. Ooh, that's, just, that's strong language, but <laughs> truthfully, we should, dis- we should not... <sighs> Look highly upon those who are vile, those who who do things like what we've talked about, you know, human trafficking and, 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 you know, pedophilia. I'm not saying we hate people. We don't. We don't. We love people. But I, what he is saying here is that we should look upon those those types of activities and have a, a healthy disdain for that. It should it should cause us to to not uh you know, be around that type of individual. And uh, so, but God promises that the person who does these things, who honors the upright, who has integrity, who doesn't use their money to, uh, in a way that uh, preys on the poor and, and, and to enrich themselves, and who does not take bribes, he who does these things shall never be moved. This is a promise. So, tonight I just want to, once again, bring before you the contrast of the foolish and the character of the wise, of the righteous. And, and, I, and I want us to be in the right category as a church. We want to be righteous before God. We want to walk in the integrity of God's word. We want to uh, please God. I want the presence of God more than I want, uh, you know, to enrich myself. I want the power of God on my life rather than the world's applause. And that should be all of our desires tonight. The foolish man, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But the righteous, we know the truth. 
And maybe you've come in here tonight and God has just spoke to you in some way. I don't know who's watching online, but um, often, you know, we, we have people tune in from all over. And I just want to encourage you, if you are searching, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand that God has extended you mercy just to hear a message like this so that you can have an opportunity to turn to the one true living God before judgment comes. And, and you can turn to Jesus tonight and you can receive him as your Lord and Savior and you will leave the category of being foolish and you can be declared righteous tonight. And it's through faith in Jesus Christ. I was so excited yesterday teaching the men in, in, in the study on, in Romans 3, uh, the truth of the matter that it is through faith in Jesus Christ that salvation is received. It's nothing that we have done, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy. Mercy, we have been saved. Oh, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'm thankful tonight that I'm saved, not because I'm keeping some type of standard, because we read it tonight, all fall short. There's none that do good, no, not one, but because Jesus died for my sin and he rose from the grave like we sung just a few moments ago, that I have a Savior that I can go to and he has received me and I am on my way to heaven. I am so thankful tonight that when I take my last breath this side of eternity, I will be in the glorious presence of Jesus thereafter. And I look forward to that day. Anybody else there? The righteous. We have a hope. If you don't have that hope tonight, we want to give you that opportunity to receive Him. And Christian, I I want you to, to just think about what was said in chapter 15 about the righteous and those who dwell in the presence of God and the character of that individual. If there's anything in our lives that does not line up with that, we can make that right tonight. We can forsake, turn away from the sin that is not pleasing to God. And then once again, we'll have that fellowship. Then once again, you'll have that sweetness of joy, the fullness of the Spirit. And, uh, man, there's nothing that compares to it.